0: It's just insane how important the album art is. And it's like always been like that, you know, it just sort of seems like iconic albums always have iconic artwork. They seem somehow interdependent.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways Podcast. This season, we're talking to musicians and the visual artists they collaborate with to create iconic album covers, videos, posters, and merchandise that make the experience of music so much more than sound. On the show, you're going to learn more about the bands you love, get turned on to new music, and uncover the stories behind the art of music. You might learn a thing or two you can bring back to your own creative practice, too. I'm your host, Rob Goodman. I'm a diehard music lover, an illustrator for bands, and a creative producer. I'm obsessed with the way visual art and music can combine to make something memorable and moving for our eyes and for our ears. On today's episode, I'm joined by Matthew Santos, bassist and founding member of the band Ra Ra Riot, and Christopher Everhart, the graphic designer who has worked on all their albums and packages and countless posters and creative collaborations, too. I've been a fan of Ra Ra Riot ever since they've been a band. We share similar Syracuse University roots, and when my friend Josh Roth turned me on to them all those years ago, I knew the band was cooking up something special. In this episode, we talk through the band's creative approach to songwriting, what it's like to manage so many creative voices and opinions, there are five members of the group, when it comes to the band's music and artwork, we walk through all their creative adventures with Chris his work in coming up with concepts and the back-and-forth collaboration and shared artistic language they've developed together over these years, over a decade of work together. I love Rara Riot's music, and on this episode you'll hear glimpses of tracks like Bad to Worse from Superbloom, which started this episode, Boy from The Orchard coming up, Every Time I'm Ready to Hug from Need Your Light, and one of my all-time favorite songs from the group, Water, from the album Need Your Light to close out this episode. Christopher Everhart is an incredibly talented designer. He's done awesome posters and artwork for The Rock on Tours, 311, The National, Fish, and Jack White, just to name a few. I loved learning about his creative process with the band, and I think you will too. If you don't know Rara Riot, this is a great way to get to know the band and the stories behind the art of their music. And if you're already a fan, you're in for a treat. I think you're really going to love learning more about how the music comes to life through their artwork. Let's kick things off learning more about how Christopher and the band originally connected.
2: We met actually at a show in Pontiac, Michigan. I think that was probably the first time we physically met. I got connected with the band through Josh Roth, who was a manager at the time, and we connected on MySpace. So it was like kind of going way back to those days. <laughs> yeah. Nice. been a long time. Yeah. I'm the last guy on Friendster. <laughs> <laughs> it's great there.
0: Yeah, it's nice and quiet.
1: Yeah. yeah, just relax.
2: But Broward Wright was coming through town, and I just kind of reached out to Josh to do a poster for the show and try to hook up my friend's band, his local band be an opener and just started conversations that's sort of how we got going. yeah
0: what was that that was 2007 maybe I Think so.
2: yeah
0: yeah so it, it's crazy because yeah you know we've been a band now for over 15 years it's crazy because okay. you know over that time we've met and worked with so many different people but I think there's only two people that we've worked with consistently the entire time and one is our beloved lawyer Richard Grable, and the other one is Chris So it's funny that like, you know, you never know what random things are going to become a part of your life for such a long time. But yeah, like when we were doing those early tours, I think we were trying to get, yeah, local people from each city to do like a cool poster for each show. And yeah, so that's how, that's how we met Chris, like he was saying, but yeah, at the time we, we didn't know that there was going to be any like grander plans to work on album art together. It was just the poster at first. And then we met him at the show and it was like, yeah, he's a cool guy. He's nice made a cool poster
2: how did that poster become at least just the first album Uh, you know i think it just was you know made that connection kind of with josh and with the band and just kept a conversation going me and josh hit it off and and got got to meet the guys and girls in the band and yeah that's sort of just just how it went just kind of kept communication
0: yeah this has probably come up in other conversations that you've had if you've been talking with you know musicians and the artists that they work with, but it's funny. Like you, you put like at least a year. In the case of our first album, you know, first album can take as many years as you want to make. But you put all this time into making a record. You put your, you know, all your love and your life into it. And then at the end of it, you have like these ten songs or whatever. But you don't know what it's titled, and you don't know what the album art is going to be like. And it seems like nothing else really matters. It's almost like it's just insane how how important the album art is. And it's like always been like that, you know, it just sort of seems like iconic albums always have iconic artwork. They seem somehow interdependent. But yeah, so we finished our first record. I guess that was at the end of 07. So we were working on it in 08, getting all the details for the release. And we just had no idea what we're going to call it. And we had no idea what the album art was going to be like. And it was just like a nightmare. We had like so many emails about it. Everyone was like arguing, everyone had different ideas. And then Chris sent us Sketch for it. I don't even remember if it was like solicited or or whatever. I think you, it was just like Josh was like, Hey, the guy Chris who did that poster last year, he sent this along. What do you think? And we all just like immediately loved it. And it like just clarified the whole project. And it was such a rare thing for you know the six of us in the band to all like be like, Oh, I love this. And it just like we all loved it. Everything just settled into place at that moment. I'll never forget it. It was crazy. And I, yeah. And I just remembered how I just brought everything into focus. And we were like, okay, now we have an album. Now we have like an identity. Yeah. And it's probably because of that that we've ended up working together every time. Because not that we've been like afraid to branch out, but we were like, why would we branch out? We have this guy who had a one in a million shot of getting all six of
1: us to like something. And it just seemed like we've just been uh, intertwined ever since. Wow. Was the title part of this creative process? Like, was the title easier to find after you saw the artwork? Or Chris, had you scribbled something onto uh, one of these sketches and,
2: and you all connected with that too? When did the title come in? I think for me, at least from my perspective, when I was talking to Josh, he had kind of floated that, the rum line, as a working title potentially by me. So it seemed like maybe the band had been working on figuring out what this thing would be. So that's kind of what I leaned into a little bit and just kind of passed that first little comp and pass over of what the cover could be.
1: Yeah. And I have to ask, though, I should know this as a fan. What, what does that mean?
0: Oh, so that's okay. I didn't know what it meant either. It was a lyric from uh, one of the songs called St. Peter's Day Festival that our drummer John had written. And it had a lyric, kind of had a double meaning. The, the lyric itself is actually about a bar in uh, Gloucester, Massachusetts that's named the rum line. But the bar is named for this navigational tool. A rum line is like, see if I can explain this. Basically, it makes like a, a spiral around a globe. It's like a, a trajectory that's always at the same, traveling at the same angle, either away or towards the equator. So, you know, as you go up the globe, you get to like the North Pole and you just will like sort of spin around, always approaching zero forever. So, yeah, that's, that's sort of like a constant bearing, basically.
1: Got it. So Josh floated that line to you, Chris, and hence like some of the ideas that
2: ended up on the cover in the packaging. Yeah, totally. That was kind of the, the caveat and you know, kind of just started diving into what what that meaning was of the word, you know, from a nautical standpoint. Right. And that's sort of the world that we started diving into to play around in visually.
1: So Matt, has this process repeated itself per record? Meaning you're just focused on the music, you're writing you're recording, you're making this record, then you get to the finish line and you're like, now what? And you open up the conversation <laughs> with Chris or has has that kind of collaboration fusion happened earlier in the process as you all have grown as a band.
0: And I think it's been a little bit of both. Again, just the power of that first album coming together because again, I was like learning stuff about the album like from the artwork. I know it sounds like crazy, but yeah, we had maybe like a few working titles and then Chris based it on the rum line and so that like we're like okay that's got to be the title because it made the most sense to him or whatever and then yeah all the imagery with like the ship's masts and how then it informed how people received it and they were like oh it's like this melancholic album it has like tinges of like a desolate new england like winterscape and i like even though i had like made this album it was part of it i didn't even like none of that stuff was really apparent to me yeah, so it just was uh, sort of a wake-up call about like, how important that was and how it can help to think about those kind of themes as you're working on something. But at the same time, when you're making a record, you have like, well, oh, we started these three songs last year. We have these two new ones. There's going to be another one we're going to finish later. So it's it's always this like piecemeal thing, and it's hard to really know what you're doing when you're in the thick of it. So basically how it's gone since then is, yeah, like we'll finish a record. We'll sort of have a vague idea and maybe like Wes or I would talk about different broad concepts. And then I think after the first record, yeah, we would try to have a vague idea of what it was about. And then we could like approach Chris with it. And then he would know what to do with it. And like, there've been some albums where there was like varying degrees of collaboration. Some, it was more layout, but others, it was like a complete, you know, top to bottom thing. And uh, the most recent one we did super bloom last year was a very like kind of top to bottom, like full, concept and that was really fun because by that point it was like it's just a certain comfort you have working with someone you know you can bring them a certain uh, range of ideas just like vague enough but you know like you trust them to understand what you're going for and deliver
1: yeah I love that idea as a as a fan and a listener the artwork certainly elevates the whole experience for me it helps complete the picture obviously there's liner notes and information but The artwork helps convey the emotion, the mood, the thinking of what's behind the music. But I love hearing that it actually informs how a musician themselves are conceiving of the project and like recontextualizing it. I think that's incredible. And Chris, talk to me a little bit about the process. So are you getting music early sometimes, like through recording sessions? How much is like super loose sketches. Do you write out ideas? Like what does the earliest stage look like when you're considering what to show the band?
2: Yeah, I think what's been awesome about working with with Matt and the and the band has been, they usually come to me with kind of a baked out album or at least they have their, their demos and it's, it's pre-mixed, but kind of a, like Matt was saying, like a, a little bit of a loose idea of where this is starting to feel and starting to go. and What I think has been so great is I think the way we communicate or the way that Matt knows how to like tee something up to me to take and bounce off of it has been more, I guess, like lock and step in a way. So with with Super Bloom, I specifically remember Matt shooting me an email and we had a a nice conversation and then he passed over kind of like a a list of varying degrees of concepts. It's a lot of different stuff that was was happening and this started to open up a, a very broad visual world, but the way that they were able to kind of bucket a lot of their thinking into different kind of textures that kind of like started to allow me to like really dive into it deeper and connect with the music more.
1: Yeah. One thing I've been wowed by is looking at all the covers and all of the art direction across all of your albums. I would not have guessed that it was a single designer behind it. The evolutions that you all have taken in your music have Certainly stretched me as a, a fan and I think they've stretched the bounds of your songwriting and the sonic landscapes you're making, like the orchard very like orchestral tight pop, Beta love is so like far out there, crunchy like techno kind of vibes to it. Need your light is kind of that balance in between. And the new album Super Bloom is again kind of like pushing in that techno kind of pop indie pop direction but the visuals match in such elegant ways. I mean, Chris, are you finding the music is pushing you as a designer or do you have kind of a wide toolkit to draw from as a creative person? How do you start matching up these really innovative aesthetics to match music that's really like pushing the bounds of what Rara Riot
2: is as a band? Music to me has always been an outlet for life and you know dealing with emotions or tapping into the way I'm feeling and stuff. So listening to music, I think, definitely is where where a lot of those visuals start to become conjured from. So I, I would say that definitely like the music is sort of what inspires the aesthetic. And like you had mentioned, just the evolution of this change of sound and the way that they're exploring the music, I take inspiration from that too and kind of start to push that into the art. Do you ever get the music
1: early and go... Oh crap, this isn't going to work. And you tear up a bunch of sketches and you go, I'm going to have to start from scratch in order to like match where the band is going next. Are you ever surprised by the sound and creatively going, okay, I got to I got to rethink what I
2: know of Rara Riot? I first want to listen to the music before I even make any kind of assumptions as to what it might feel visually. And that's what's been cool. You know, some a lot of bands this works for for a certain type of band or a certain type of image that a band's going for. You know, they might have, say, like, their band name's a logo. And so every album has that attached to it. I think that that can be totally great and totally it it works in a lot of ways. But I also love the idea of letting each album be kind of its own thing and and really drawing from what's being portrayed in the music there. And Matt, on the music side, how much...
1: are you a revolting from the last record or evolving from it? Or is that not even a consideration? You're just making music. You're making it from your hearts based on what's inspiring you in that moment. How much do you think about it kind of in the context of what you've created so far?
0: It's sort of the thing where like, if you're acting in any sort of way that's related to like a reaction to the last thing you did, it's not going to be good. Because if, w- if it was good and you're just trying to copy it, or do the same thing, you know, it's not going to land the same way. It's not going to feel the same. And contrarily, if you're like, oh, we have to like reinvent ourselves and you're just trying to be different for no real reason other than to just do something different. That's not going to really land either. So what I always say is like, you know, if people always like to ask like, why is this album so different or this and that, it's just like, to me, it's like a, just an evolving like dialogue with ourselves. You know, the things that we're interested in, we did always want to do something different. I'm contradicting myself a little bit, but it was just like uh, to keep ourselves entertained. And we have you know we've had six people in the band with all very different musical backgrounds. So it was always like new things to be excited about. We were really lucky that we never just had like one main singer, songwriter person who like if they had writer's block, then we all just sat around not knowing what to do. you know so there was always like every time we were getting together, everyone was bringing ideas in bouncing stuff off of each other. Maybe someone in the last six months had gotten into really into a certain kind of music. So that was coming through more from like their contributions. It's always like an evolving thing, you know, and that's another thing I feel fortunate about, you know, mentioning having worked with Chris for so long, having that continuity throughout our career, but also just to be in a band for this long with mostly the same people. Now we've had the same lineup for about seven or eight years So it's just a really cool thing to be able to get to know these people intimately and be collaborating with them as we all change individually and we all change our dynamic changes as a group. So yeah, so to me, the albums are always related and I listen back to them and they make sense to me being like, oh yeah, that's what that year was like for us.
1: That's why we made that album, you know, that kind of thing. Is the alignment and collaboration amongst all the bandmates similar or different when organizing around the music or agreeing on artwork. How how is that relationship kind of different? Getting so many voices to agree on something has to be a bit of a challenge at times.
0: There's a good example of this. We did a photo shoot like last year and I think the g- the guy sent us like 3000 raw photos and we all had to go through and choose like as many as we liked, like just pick any picture that you'd be okay with having released and then we'll compare everyone's groups and out of that I think there was like one photo. There's only one (laughs) photo that all six of us agreed out of like 3,000. So that's kind of what it's like. It's like that for artwork. It's like that for whether or not the snare is too loud in this mix. It's like that for where we're going to go eat dinner tonight, you know. But I think, you know, it's just such a funny dynamic because we're all really close friends, but it's very like familial feeling. It's also like a job too. So we're like coworkers, friends, relatives. And I think over the years now, we've like all learned how to gently coax each other in certain directions or how to handle each other. It's always
1: a very similar kind of process, no matter what we're talking about. Was there, maybe this is awkward with Chris on the line, was there like an album direction at first that you were not bought in on that later you realized was great to go? <laughs>
0: That's a great question. I, I can't, honestly, I'm not just trying to be polite because Chris always is good at delivering stuff we like quickly. I remember, I will say for beta love at first, some people in the band were like shocked at how like dark it was. And I think we were like afraid because we were already sort of changing the sound a lot and had like significant lineup changes. So I think people were scared. It was like too statementy or too like out of left field or something. And it was funny because for me, that was one of the ones that I think went through the least amount of change from the first sketch to the final product. We had our chat about it. Chris sent over like the first couple of sketches of like this monolithic negative space kind of thing. I just like freaked out. I was like, it's perfect. I was like, that's exactly <laughs> it, you know. But then it
1: was just a lot of like convincing and
0: back and forth.
1: I remember getting that record and holding it. And I love the packaging too. I want to talk about the package design, but holding it and going, This is going to be something different just the feel of it, the design, there was a lot of weight in the simplicity. So I liked how that signaled to me as a listener, get ready.
0: Well, that's great to hear too. And again, that just goes back to like how
1: important,
0: almost almost more important than the music in some ways. It's crazy. But like, yeah, some of my favorite bands of all time, I lucked into discovering because I was at a record store and the cover was so cool. And I was just like, any band that would have this as their cover, I want to listen to. And it's just great to hear that. But yeah, it's really a powerful thing. And it's the first thing that people are going to, when they're reading about the new album, they're going to see a picture of it and already come up with all these ideas based on the cover. So yeah, it's just like, it's massively important. And that's part of the reason it's always such a scary decision and process to go through. You think you've already done the hard part, but then it's like, you're just getting started figuring out how to present it to the world. The one that went, that probably took the longest in terms of like process and revisions was maybe um need your light i don't know if that was the same for you on your end chris but and i think part of it for us too is we have so many people coming in with different ideas so it's was trying to like this person thinks it should be more yellow and this person thinks there needs to be less yellow so fix it you know so there was like a lot of that kind of stuff but that one i think had the most like evolution probably
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful package, beautiful cover. And I love the contrast with Beta Love. It's just like a different movement.
0: Yeah, that one we knew too. It was like, for various reasons, we made a dark record. And then after that, we were like ready to kind of let a little loose again. And so we were like, we were just all into this like bright colors. these like, yeah, the pink and teals and just this like letting go kind of feeling,
1: which is how we got to that one. Chris, I want to hear a little bit about your process. What's happening between those early sketches and final artwork? Are you working by hand? Are you going digital? Do you make prints or photograph?
2: How does your work typically go along? Usually, you know, I I always like to start with like a thumbnail. So I like like to kind of remove myself from a computer as much as possible because it's too easy for me. And, you know, honestly, like just working in a with it all the time as part of a day job and being in a, in a graphics world, it's really, you know, helps clear your mind and get your thoughts out first. So that's kind of like my starting point, you know, listen to the music, put some headphones on, kind of just escape a little bit and then start to think about some ideas. You know, then I just dive in. I'm not like a, an illustrator by any means. So I I am a very photo based visual kind of artist in a lot of ways. So I'll get right into diving into the computer and exploring, um, what it could feel like and we'll usually start with like a mood board or something start to formulate some ideas and some themes and then i'll bounce that back over to the band and we'll get some dialogue going so specifically with like beta love i remember there was a lot of dialogue with Wes on that one and it was really cool just kind of diving into this idea of artificial intelligence and what it means to be like a human and all these kind of necromancer um, cyborg neo tokyo kind of thoughts and vibes and stuff like that So it's pretty cool conversations going back and forth on a lot of that stuff. And Matt, what was the creative process like for Superbloom? Because
1: at least as a a listener, it does feel like a different style of production. Is there a different approach creatively when y'all are getting into a room as a band and just hitting record versus working with different producers, different sound clips and and loops and things like that? Where does the creative process take you on on Superbloom?
0: Yeah, so Superbloom was probably the most different record we've ever made. And part of it was because we wanted to, in some ways, I think we were feeling a little hampered over the years by that same kind of process with like the same, like five or six people in a room, someone has a riff, you jam on it, and it's like this collective democratic molding, which, you know, has served us very well. But I think we had made many records like that, and we were kind of ready to really branch out and let ourselves sort of get out of our own way, as it were. But it was also kind of like we had to make it that way at the same time, because just in the intervening years between the records, a bunch of us had moved. So we kind of went from all being in New York together all the time to being all over the place. So there were still two people in Brooklyn, but I was in living in Oakland. Becca was and is still up in Seattle, and Milo at the time was in Milwaukee. So we were like every like time zone, pretty much. So, wow just by that nature, it was just very piecemeal record. And so like some, there'd be like one weekend, West flew to LA to record two songs with like this one producer. And then another weekend I would go meet up with him and we'd do three songs at another studio. And so that was part of the letting go. So we went from working with one or maybe two producers a record to working with like seven or eight or nine on Superbloom. And that was sort of one of the inspirations for the title because we were like, we didn't have any expectations. It's been years and years of the band being seated, I guess, as it were. And now there's just all these things coming out of all different areas at the same time. And it's this very kaleidoscopic, collage kind of thing. And I always talk about, oh, it's hard to find what the theme is as you're making the record and afterwards. And I think for this record, ironically, it was like the theme is that there's no theme whatsoever. This is almost like, is this going to sound too much like a mixed CD? It's all over the place. But we were like you know, this is the record that we're making right now. So we just tried to embrace that. And then we started digging in a little bit deeper to the themes of individual songs to come up with like this world for it.
1: And I heard that originally you were thinking about just releasing singles and then an EP or maybe two EPs. And so it was more of like a song-driven album versus like going in for... We have to create this thing.
0: Yeah, totally. And it's funny because, yeah, every time we're like, we just can't help making records. And I love records. and It's like old fashioned thing. But I think for the last two records we did that, we're like, oh, like Spotify, it's a Spotify world now. No one listens to albums. We're going to do two songs in the spring, do a small tour. And that's like always our new idea. And we're like, that's great. We don't have to stress about an entire record. We don't have to spend all this money. We can just like do little bite sizes, but we just try to do that. And then we get too excited and then we have too many ideas. And that's what it was like the super bloom, especially cause we were like, yeah, piecemealing it together. And then we kind of paused and we were like, Oh, we have like, we started like 14 songs already. So why don't we just make a record? Cause we'll just keep making more and more stuff. So yeah, that was the plan, but we, we can never do it that way. And it's just sad to think that there wouldn't be a record. There wouldn't be a nice 12-inch with a nice you know, gatefold or you know, fold-out right. thing. You
1: know. Yeah, and speaking of which, I do love the package design. I love the thought that goes into the CD design, into the records. And as a hardcore music fan, I appreciate that. I appreciate holding it, being able to see it big. How much do you all think about package design, about like physical object knowing that a majority of people are going to be listening online to like, you know, seeing the tiny thumbnail. Do you just say, we don't care how many people like actually hold this object. We want it to represent everything this album is, or like how much is that part of the concept of the, the creative direction for the package? It's funny. Cause now you
0: make a record and you're here like mixing a song for like the shittiest possible speakers. You're like, what's this going to sound like on earbuds or like a laptop? But you also want it to sound good on really nice speakers. And it's the same thing with an album. Now you have to imagine like, well, it's going to be a thumbnail. Most people are just going to see it like on their Spotify homepage. So it has to be interesting enough to get their attention, you know, stick out from the crowd when it's this big. But at the same time, you do want to like incentivize people buying something that's nice and physical. So at the same time, you're designing it in this scale but you're also worried about like every minute detail of the packaging and that's another thing that chris is great at especially for super bloom early on you suggested having like the spot varnish treatment i mean we always have so many amazing ideas too that we usually can't end up affording but the spot varnish stuff was like some really nice details that's a detail you have to hold it and like turn it to see the very subtle play of the light on it. So that's the kind of stuff that Chris still thinks about and will suggest.
1: How much are you thinking about that package experience, Chris, as you're coming up with those initial designs?
2: I'm a lover of objects and well-designed things. So, you know, it's it's always a no-brainer. Put some thought in there and push it where you can. And I, it's been really cool working with the band. They're very receptive to kind of pushing that and doing interesting things when it's allotted in, in the budget and stuff. So yeah, it's definitely always top of mind for me going into this stuff. And Chris, you've worked with The National, 311,
1: Jack White, Dead Weather. What's the collaboration process like working with those bands for one-offs or for continuous work versus this kind of long-standing relationship that you have with Matt and Wes and the band? How does it compare?
2: You know, it's 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 different in different situations for different bands, but sometimes I'm working Often more than not, in a lot of cases, I'm working with like a merch manager or someone removed one step or two from the band. So I think that kind of process totally works too. But I really personally appreciate when I can have some kind of line of communication with the band and make sure, you know, I'm really conveying, you know, something that they would feel proud of and would represent what they're trying to do too. So depending on the situation, there's there's a lot of collaboration. And sometimes it's very minimal. And Matt, I listened to your solo
1: record in anticipation of this interview. And I loved it, by the way. Like the vibe on it is so, so good, so great. Yeah. And thanks, guys. It's got such an awesome like summer vibe. So love that, by the way. But yeah, I was just curious, like knowing your background that you were studying painting in college and you also work in galleries at times, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, art museums, galleries, yeah. Yeah, so you're a visual artist yourself. How does that play into your life as a creative person? How much are you creating visually versus working on the band and the music? And how do you kind of think about music from a a visual perspective?
0: Yeah, I mean, art has kind of always been my first love, so to speak. And yeah, when I started at Syracuse, I was an illustration major at first, actually. And then I ended up switching into painting, because there was, like, too many rules in illustration. So once I started painting, I, like, loved I loved it, loved it. And, yeah, I mean, all through my life, elementary school, middle school, high school, I was taking, like, extracurricular art classes, stuff like that. So that was always my first love, and, and still is. I'm still, like, always working on um, sketches for things that'll become paintings someday when I have the time and space to do it. But I'm always working that part of my brain. And the nice thing is that, like... It's just good to have different avenues, of course, as any remotely creative person would tell you. And when the band started, it's funny because I went to art school and in my mind I was like, the reason I'm going to art school is because I want to like start a band and join a band. I know like Devo and The Clash and uh, The Beatles even, Talking Heads, like all these great bands they all met in art school, you know, that was like the thing. So I was like, art school is where you go to meet the cool musicians. Ironically, no one in my band was actually in my art school. They were all in different programs, but still, you know. So, like, anyway, we started the band and music just became, like, it was a relatively new thing in my life. I only started playing bass in high school. And it was just a completely different way to approach whatever you want to, like, call art, you know, like the the problem solving around trying to get to the heart of whatever the matter is, you know, and doing it musically and spatially. Cause I'd always been a music fan, but you know, once you get involved in making music, you understand how a song is arranged and you really get into the thick of it. And it was like, really after having used my brain for like more like two dimensional kind of stuff for most of my life, it was like a really exciting change. You know, you exercise those muscles. And then when you're laying in bed at night, you can take a break from the music and have a new approach to, uh, like the art part of your brain, like the visual art part. So it's been really fun. Yeah. And they definitely balance each other out. There'll be months where I'm like really feeling creative and inspired musically. And that's like all I'm working on, like don't touch a sketchbook or Photoshop for a long time. And then there are other times where I go deep into like an art hole and I realize I haven't touched my bass in a week, you know, so it always goes back and forth, but it's great to have both and yeah, and I'm sure, and like, same thing Chris was saying, too, being a fan of music and also a fan of art, getting to, like, you know, interface these two things can be really rewarding and,
2: and fun. It's funny, you know, it's something that I feel like was sort of a caveat in at least an underlying inspiration that was flowing through me when we were doing Superbloom was that trip that we went to the DIA Beacon, which is an art gallery where Matt was working in upstate. There was just something about that experience there that you know that's when i first i didn't really know matt like his involvement in art or interest in in that kind of stuff too much but that's kind of a cool little we got to hang out after and talk about the gallery and i think that knowing that matt worked in such a visual place that was so just like a fun experiential thing i think that that also kind of lit a little bit of uh kind of the visual language i was starting to look at to formulate the new album
1: With so much happening in the world, touring shut down, and these times being incredibly challenging for everyone, I was curious where the band was at creatively, if they had any inklings of what a new record might sound like, just generally how they're doing, and what they've been up to during these quarantine days.
0: Me and, you know, basically everyone I know is healthy. So, like, obviously, all that aside, it's been, like, torturous in a creative way, because... Any creative person would say their biggest wish is to have the whole world stop for like months and you have no obligations and you can just sit down and finally focus on your projects. Our wish was perversely granted. We have all of this free time now, but there's like incredible stress about this like pandemic and everything is shut down and you know it's harder to go out and go to a show, go to a, a gallery, get inspired you feel scared about like your life, about money, you're worried about your parents health and then of course with just the political climate, you know, we've been doing some of the marches here in Brooklyn like for the couple of weeks there was like helicopters like police everywhere. There's just so much going on. 2020 has been such an unbelievable shit show that it's hard to feel like inspired and want to sit down and be like, "Oh, I'm going to write a, like a fucking love song now." So, it's it's been a lot of like, you know, creative block. And just low level anxiety. And then you have to like calm yourself down and be like, you know, just trying to get through this together. And, you know, so I've gone through spurts where I've been a little bit, a little productive. Like right before all this happened, I was just about to finish a second solo album actually that I've been working on for years. And then everything's closed now. So I have this record that's like 80% done. Who knows when it's gonna be finished. But yeah, mostly I've just been taking this time, I've been doing a lot of reading and writing which has been great. I've been working on a couple of songs. Like Wes has been writing songs and sending them to me. Kenny our drummer has been working on some songs. So yeah, everyone's like in little pockets here and there. But yeah, I've been doing a lot of reading and writing which has been great and I've actually been listening to music for fun. And it sounds kind of funny, but like for the first time in years. Or like just cuz it listening to music just became such a thing that was like related to my work or something. It wasn't like relaxing I couldn't listen to something I was like analyzing it too much you know when the pandemic first started I spent like a whole day like building a crazy like spotify library of like everything I have ever listened to and would ever want to listen to and just like really getting back into like listening to music for fun and that's been
1: that's been really good so
0: yeah it'll be interesting to see what eventually crystallizes out of uh, all this craziness
1: no I think that makes a lot of sense do you have any inkling of where the sound might go next based on the last album, where y'all were kind of mentally and creatively after tour. I know it must be so, so early. You're just getting these little glimpses of creative spark in songs and and whatnot. But when you think about the band and the journey of the band, what do you think might lie ahead? Of course it's, it's hard to say, but I suspect right now, and part of what we thought
0: the last record was going to be like, we kind of were approaching super bloom as it was going to be like a, A 70s, very dry pop record with like a lot of acoustic guitar, dry drums, almost like a Doobie Brothers mixed with like Neil Young. Just sort of like this, for lack of a better word, like back to basics, almost like just nuts and bolts kind of thing. And we were getting really excited about that. And there's still some strains of that that made it their way through on the record. But just based on some of the stuff that I've heard Wes working on so far, it's a lot more like acoustic guitar. You know, we've been getting more and more into like adult contemporary over the years, but trying to shed more and more of our inhibitions and not try to worry about making something that's necessarily like cool or like edgy or left of center, but just making something that's like really well made and good. So, yeah, so maybe we'll on the next record, we'll go a little bit in that dry 70s acoustic guitar y kind of direction. But who knows? I would love it that if we did that, but we'll
1: see. One of the things I love about your band is. The songs are always there. The music, the sound, it complements the song, but at the core, the song is so strong. It connects with the listener so well. And, you know, bands like Wilco come to mind, Radiohead, who can move into really different sonic directions, but at the core, they're grabbing you with what, like, that basic function of the song is doing, moving you in a certain way through lyrics, through the music itself. So, that's exciting to me. Whatever direction y'all want to take next is super exciting. Love the idea of Back to Basics. That's so fun. But then again, Super Bloom just totally surprised me. And I was like, I'm getting bombastically assaulted by Sonics right now. <laughs> and I'm into it. And you know, I love it. So that's super exciting to hear.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you. That's great to hear. Yeah. I'll be surprised too with whatever it ends up being. So we'll both be surprised.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Chris, I want to hear a little bit more about your backstory. Did you study design in school? How much of this is like self-taught versus learned on the job or in school?
2: I was going to go into architecture, and that's kind of what I studied in high school and was kind of the plan. But I realized pretty quick that I hated math, and I loved the design aspects of architecture. And that sort of landed me in some like prereqs and programs that were just focused on design. And I'd taken some art classes in early school, and but I, I never had that moment where I was like, oh, I can do this and this is a career path. You know, just, it, I never had that voice that told me that that would align. So it, I got pretty lucky that I fell into it. It clicked like early on in college and I sort of, I was studying motion design. So going to be, try to be a broadcast designer, doing uh, animation and stuff like that. And I kind of uh, just like powered through a uh, community college here. With the intent to go to, I was going to try to go to an art school and, and finish up my studies there, but I ended up landing a job that kind of took that train and kept going. That's great. I remember friends who were in architecture at Syracuse, and
1: I think I saw them for the first month at school, and then they just disappeared for two years.
0: Well, Milo, our guitar player, he was an architecture major at Syracuse. He'd be like, well, I can't rehearse until Thursday because I'm going to be in the studio for like 72 hours. i are like, okay see you next time. And the next time we'd see him, he'd have the same clothes on. He like started the band and I think it was his last year of architecture school. And He was like, I just need to do something fun before I leave here. And so he was like, let's make a band. And then yeah, it's funny how life goes.
1: Matt, was there a moment early on in the band where, you know, it's funny that you talked about going to art school to find... And start a band, which I think is really funny. It makes total sense with the stories you told, but I never thought about that. (laughs) Most people are like, I'm going to be a professional illustrator. I'm going to be a designer. I'll be an architect. You're like, no, no, I'm going to find the art kids and we're going to make music. Was there a moment like in college or after college? I mean, you know, it was all kind of happening for the band around that time where family and even close friends started like quitting the naysaying about. That you could do this professionally. And we're like, okay, we get it. You're actually a working band and this is going to be your career. There was a funny transition
0: period. It's also kind of funny too, because most everyone in the band was graduating at the same time, but I was a year younger than everyone going back a little bit. So the winter of 2005, I was just having a hard time at Syracuse. I really hated it. I was like skipping classes. Like there was just like all this stuff going on. I just was not having a good time so that Christmas when I went home I told my parents I was like hey I don't want to go back what can we do and they were like okay okay they were like just go back and finish the spring semester and then in the summer we can talk about bigger plans." so I was like okay deal so I went back and then that January is when Raw Riot started so we got to the end of the year and I was like okay mom dad I'm going on tour with my band now I'm not going to go back to school it sort of worked out that like I was kind of looking for a way out anyway and to my parents credit you know they've always been super supportive of everything i mean they were supportive of me like going to art school in the first place so i remember when i was like hey can i take some time off of school to go on tour with this band and we all talked about it and they were like you know what they're like we really want you to finish school but we would hate for you to like miss on this opportunity and like what if the band goes on and like blows up and you're just like by yourself at syracuse so they're like go ahead but i think in their minds they thought it was like maybe we're gonna like do a couple of tours and then I was going to go back to school and now it's been like all this time. They were like really supportive at first. And then after like the third album came out, they were like, so when are you going to like finish your degree (laughs) that we paid for
1: like 75% of? Yeah, sorry, but
0: you never know. Stuff's
1: going to work out. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Are there any fun stories from over all these years together making albums and, and artwork together
2: yeah we we uh i think one thing that stands out this was early on when the rum line when we were starting to work on that album art this after they played that first show in pontiac and then a couple months had gone by or, or a longer period of time i can't remember now but they were coming back through town to play another show and we all met at a thai restaurant in eastern market in detroit i don't know if you remember that matt but that was uh, a right. that was pretty cool That was one of the only times I think that we were able to like physically be in the same place and like look at stuff and start and talk about it in like a real physical collaborative kind of atmosphere.
0: Yeah, it's funny because for as long as we've worked together, there's only been probably like a half dozen times. Yeah, we've actually been like together in person. And it's funny too when we're working on an album and it's like intense and there's like weeks of like emails and back and forth and tweaks and deadlines. And then like we won't even see. Everhart at all until like eight months later and we're on tour like near Detroit and he'll, he comes to a show and we're
1: like, Oh, Hey man. We're like, Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> what's up? Like we haven't seen you this whole time. We're like, Oh, the album looks great. You know? And then it's like this funny catch up. It's like so separate. It's, it's funny.
1: Yeah. Cause I picture, all right, there's a big table. We're laying everything out, but that's not happening. You know, if you're working with somebody who's not next door to you or in the same city, are there ways that you figured out how to work? collaboratively from so far apart and digitally based that started to like come into good habits creatively for everyone like oh let's let's, we'll start in this kind of doc or let's make sure we like bring our comments together it's kind of like a nerdy question but i'm curious if if there's ways you've found to like organize the chaos of working
2: so closely together while being so far apart so with Super Bloom, I think is a great example of that, like kind of coming together like ahead of time. Me and me and Matt had a conversation, and then he kind of went off, and the band all together sort of started to talk about what the album felt like for them, and they formulated kind of like a lot of like these themes and these like kind of like texture beats that I was talking about earlier. And so Matt, what's he sent over an email, and it, it's funny, he said because it he it's totally like what he was talking about, like all all these songs were intended to feel different. So there's a lot of themes kind of being pulled in from like psychedelic experiences or going on road trips or Japanese motorcycles and different types of of themes and narratives that kind of tied in the song. So he basically sent me like this, this list of like, here's a bunch of songs and here's a lot of feelings and themes and stuff like that, that that tie into them. So what I did is I kind of like, was like, okay, I'm going to process all this and put together a mood board that's like, okay, if we're if we're creating an, an image, what do all of these different influences mean to creating that image? So like do we take, for instance, like the typography from these like 70s Japanese motorcycle ads and blend that with kind of this color palette and euphoric kind of glitchy sort of effect from like a psychedelic experience and bring in this idea of the, the title Superblim was so visual itself to to pull from. So I think that was the first step, at least after me and Matt talked and he sent that email across was I sent back a mood board. And I think it was kind of like a diagram where it was like, here's an image. And then it had like all these things pointing at different elements within the image that were like, this is where this is pulling from. And so that's how at least this process started to formulate. And I think that speaks to just like us having collaborated before. Like it felt like at least for me, it felt like the band had put something in front of me that played to my strengths and, and would help.
0: Yeah, totally. I think. Over the years, we've finally like streamlined. I don't think anything the band has ever done has ever been like efficient or like well run. And when you're collaborating with someone else who's not even there, it can be like pretty hard. So, uh, but I think over the years, it's sort of developed that Yeah, I became kind of like the point person between the band and Chris, which probably saved you from like lots and lots of emails. And yeah, we definitely came together for Superboom the best. But yeah, so how it would be is like he said, he and I would talk. I would like sort of give them a big thing, go back to the band, collect the band's thoughts, go back to Chris. So it just made like the chain of communication a lot simpler. Yeah. And I have to apologize to Chris for all the all the edits and tweaks we've made to do over the years. I know like being a designer is a pain in the ass because it's like you're the designer. A client hires you to design something, but then tells you like, how to make it better, which I know is like so frustrating. It hasn't
2: been bad. It hasn't been bad. <laughs>
0: okay, well, that's good. Cause I know we could be like, I mean, we drive like me crazy and I know we've driven other people crazy, but yeah, there'd be times where like, yeah, Everhart would send something and I was like, oh, this is so cool. I love it. And then I'd show it to the band and there would be like so much feedback and a lot of the feedback would contradict each other. And then I have to go back to Chris and be like, oh, it's like, okay, someone didn't like this. And someone thought this needs to be bigger. And someone thought this should be, you know, but I was like, but I love it. I'm sorry, you know, but at least that helps the communication be a little more like streamlined. And then, yeah, having mood boards, that was like a, a new thing we did for Super Superbloom as we were able to like sit down and like start from there, which was, which was helpful.
1: Yeah, there's like an audio collage aspect to the record in my ears. And I love how that's visualized on the cover. Is the cover one photograph that you pixelated and affected or is there collage happening there? How did that image come together? And I have to note, I love that the band name, it's not even on the cover. It's just the R's.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: It's very, very
2: slick. It's got such a vibe. Thank you. With this album specifically, I remember I was like, for my day job at the time, I was working in a, co- a content studio. So I was into the computer and like into social media and just like being overwhelmed by so much content and diving into like looking at it for work. And I really wanted to try to get removed from that a little bit for this an opportunity to kind of play. And like I, I did this a lot early on, but there's this really cool bookstore in Detroit called John K. King. It's like this old building. It's like three or four stories and you can just kind of go there and get lost in the afternoon. And it's amazing. It's, it's a very rare place. Super quiet. You can just disappear into, into it. And I love digging for old stuff. And the image for the cover, I was digging through like old 70s garden magazines and it was a a crop of of like a giant spread that was within that and then another thing that i was playing with at the time of this album was just this sort of like pixel effect so i was taking images and kind of digitally manipulating them to like feel pixelated and so it was kind of it came together as sort of like a collage of those two things together and there's five uh Stripes on the cover. I don't know if it's 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 kind of subtle, but for the fifth LP, we kind of so we had a little Easter egg kind of things in there too, which is was pretty fun. But um yeah, so I think with this one specifically is like I wanted to play around a little bit. Like the pixel thing was a new tool that I had never tried before, so that was kind of a fun little part of the process to experimenting and playing. So cool, Matt and Chris. It was so
1: great talking to you both. I love learning the stories behind these these albums. Thank you so much for, for joining the show. Thanks, man. Yeah, this was super, super cool. Thanks so much for listening. Big thanks to Matthew from Rara Riot and Christopher for joining the show and a big shout out to Josh Roth for helping to make this happen and for his support of our show from the get go. I hope you all enjoyed the conversation, and now is a great time to check out Ra Ra Riot's catalog of music and see Christopher's artwork as well. I'll share those links on Instagram and on our website in the show notes too. My biggest takeaway from this episode was around the shared creative language that Christopher has developed with the band. There's an understanding from these years of work together, a trust that has built up and practices they've established that make it easier to share inspiration, take in feedback, and move forward creatively together. I think the ambition of Rara Riot's music and their own sonic development is paired so perfectly with Christopher's open-minded view of design that will support the band's vision. Together, they go further in telling the story of the music through that artifact of the package, posters, and the imagery of this imaginative, always-evolving band. I hope you'll subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And if you like what you heard, please post a review or give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It would mean so much. Making Ways is created, hosted, and illustrated by me, Rob Goodman. Audio engineered by Brian Paik at Pacific Audio. You can learn more about the show at makingwayspodcast.com or find us on Instagram at making.ways. And if you have a project that brings together music and art, I'd love to hear from you. So hit me up. Be well and see you soon. Thanks again for listening. Here's water from Need Your Light to close out the episode.